0: how's everyone doing good if i've not met you before hello my name is tom and um today is a good day to be here uh, even if i have met you hopefully today is a good day to be here as well but um, we're going to start our new series guys that we've uh, called yes and amen and it's, we're going to be looking at and exploring the promises of god and why are we doing this series Thank you for asking. I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've noticed, but life on this planet the last few years has been a little bit topsy turvy. Um, things have felt really unpredictable and unreliable. And has Heather here? Yes. Even unprecedented, potentially. Sorry. <laughs> Heather hates that word. Um, but. We've all been confronted, presented, invited, provoked into having to wrestle with a whole barrage of things. Ideas, um, ideologies, politics, theories, quandaries. What is true? Who do we believe? Where do we go? Where do we place our trust and faith? And underneath all of those things, they're, they're vying, those ideas or ideologies or whatever it may be, they're vying not only for our attention... But beyond that, they're vying for our allegiance. They're asking us, inviting us to place our hope and trust in a political party being in office or out of office or mandates lifted or not lifted, or the list could go on. So the question becomes like, where is our hope and trust gonna lie? Especially when things are so up and down and all over the place. And so maybe like me, you're struck struck lately specifically with unpredictability of everything that's going on all around us, and maybe you're tired. And exhausted of this and so maybe you've even lost some hope and you're wondering where do I place my trust who do I trust what do I read where do I go to to kind of have a sense of what's going on in the world and so our hope and prayer is that over the next eight weeks you will be refreshed reoriented and reminded of the God of the Bible and the promises that he keeps so that's why that's why we're doing a series on the promises of God. There are two goals for us in our time together over the next eight weeks. The first one is to expose and reveal the, the trust structures we've built around things other than Jesus that we think we need to have a happy and good life and to live at peace. Secondly, it's an invitation to each of us to, to further our commitment and dependence and trust in our relationship with the faithful God. I'll change it next week, but for this week, we have to deal with it. Um, so how does that sound? A couple of good goals, even if you can't read it, you heard me say it. Okay. All right, so exposing the things that we're looking to other than God for hope and trust and inviting each of us into a further, deeper relationship of commitment and trust in God. So life has been pretty crazy lately, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, if, if I were to tell you, uh, or if you were to have told me three years ago we're having coffee, hey Tom, it's a good idea for you to stock up on toilet paper, learn how to defend yourself in the toilet paper aisle because one day soon there will be no toilet paper, I would have been like, are you okay? Is everything okay with your, with your spouse? Is everything okay? Or if you would have sat me down and say, hey Tom, in a couple, like say this is 2019, Soon you will order off of Amazon a selfie light that has a space for your phone. Yeah, yeah, look, one of those that they use for, like, makeup tutorials. I'm like, what are you talking about? And lo and behold, both of those things happen. And so, and then some. And so it seems like life itself, lately, it almost reads like Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. It's bizarre. And this is actually one of my favorite movies ever. It's the same title, Stranger Than Fiction. Anyone seen it? Yeah. Will Ferrell? Pretty good. Um, So really basic plot overview, this nondescript male IRS agent one day, uh, hears this, he's brushing his teeth and he hears this, um, this woman's voice that is narrating like to the detail exactly what's going on in his life. And all of a sudden this whole story unfolds where he has to kind of proceed through life in various events and circumstances that go on to establish, okay, this lady is writing my story as it happens in real time. But is my story a tragedy or a comedy? So he goes on, he's he's taking notes in his journal, like as as something good happens, he puts in comedy. something bad happens, he goes to tragedy. And then the question behind or underneath that is, can he trust the narrator or the author with the ending of his story? Is the author of this story trustworthy? And I find this a helpful kind of way to think through what we're going to talk about today. Because you may find yourself, like Will Ferrell in this movie, wondering some of the same things. Is my life a comedy or a tragedy, or is it a bit of both? And can I trust the author with the story, specifically and especially the end of my story? So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story of the Bible as a framework for our entire series. And so we're going to look at it in four movements. The first movement will be God as the author of our story, redemption as the story Jesus as the hero, and finally, I'm going to spoil the ending, trust is our response. <laughs> so before we hop in, you guys want to pray? Let's yeah. pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you that before you even formed the, the earth, you knew that this day would come. You knew that these people that are in the room would be in this room right here. And I ask Lord that we would um, we would realize your involvement in our lives in a new way today. That we would sense your nearness and your closeness, your care and your concern, your, um, your trustworthiness, your loyalty to us, God. And that you stick with us even when things are difficult and things are feeling all over the place. I pray, Lord, that this morning we would hear the truth about who you are and what you're like and that that would transform and, and build trust and faith in each and every person in this room. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us. That you um, are able to, to um, breathe life and illuminate things from, your, from the scriptures to us. And I pray that that would happen this morning. Would you help me be clear, Lord? I pray for clarity and concision of speech that I wouldn't ramble and say things that don't need to be said. But I ask, Lord, that we would truly meet with you this morning as we open up your word. And that we would be transformed in doing so. We thank you for each person in the room that you know where they're at and what they need to hear. And I pray that your truth would go out, Lord. And I thank you that your word does not return to you void. So do what you do best and uh, transform us, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so the first movement, guys, we want to look at is God as the author. So let's begin with God. And um, A.W. Tozer famously said, we say this quote often, what comes into our head when we think about God is actually the most important thing about us. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34, we're going to read um, where God actually is, is expressing in words who he is to this guy named Moses. Moses is, is asking God, the God of the universe, who are you and what are you like? And I imagine in some shape or form, we probably ask the same question of God and in his goodness, God actually answers Moses here. And so this is his self-disclosure statement. This is who I am and what I'm like. Um, and so I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. And we're going to focus just on one or two phrases there. But it, in your Bible, does it doesn't say the Lord and Lord is all caps? Yahweh. Yeah, so that's that's the same. That's that's how the English translation works for the name of God, which is Yahweh. So I'm going to read it just like that. So This is how God answers the question of who are you and what do you like. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh, is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Amen. The word of the Lord. So I want to focus on two phrases here. And and they're almost like saying the exact same thing. It's this. um, Abounding in faithful love and truth and maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. And so back in the day, in in the Hebrew language, when someone wanted to to really drive a point home, they would repeat themselves. And so God is trying to drive this point home to to Moses as he's repeating almost basically the same thing verbatim. So it's like bolding or underlining or drawing our attention to this reality that God is hased and amet. Those are the Hebrew words that we're going to talk about here. So hased. I'm sorry for the font, guys. It is really hard to read. But hased. Um, you can see what it looks like in Hebrew, anyways. So hased um, is means this loyal love, unfailing love, or covenant loyalty. So try to keep that covenant loyalty specific in the back of your head. And then the second word here is amet, which is faithfulness, or it literally translates to truth or trustworthy. So God to Moses, God is saying, hey, listen, I am, I'm going to love you loyally. I, my love is unfailing. I'm going to keep my covenants. I, I keep my word. I'm faithful. I am the truth, and I am trustworthy. So this is part of who God is. He's more than that, but he's not less than that. And the, the, the wonderful like, magnificence of God is that whatever he is, he is fully always and all the time. You and I may express bits and pieces of trustworthiness or faithfulness, but God is that all the time, totally, completely, and fully. So hesed and Amet, these two Hebrew words that, that, that Yahweh uses to describe himself, are about God's loyalty. How he never, ever abandons his people, but he's faithful to the bitter end, no matter the cost. And this is good news. As people around us, ourselves included, are quite fickle and give up when things get difficult, God is faithful to the bitter end. Why does this matter? Why does, why does understanding the author of this story matter? Because how many times have we asked over the late, like reading news articles or hearing theories, have we asked, who wrote that? Or what was the source? Anyone else? I know I'm like, who said that? What's, what's the source going on there? That the reality is, is you and I are less likely to listen or believe or trust based on the trustworthiness of the author. So, it's the same idea. I want to establish for us this morning that the author of this story is is faithful and good and trustworthy. Yahweh is faithful to the end. He is who he says he is. He is the author of the story of redemption. He is not like people on Twitter who all of a sudden became epidemiologists in the last two years or experts in Russian military movements. He is the author of the story of redemption. So, that's God as the author. The second movement I want us to think about is redemption as the story that God's writing. And I'm going to read to you guys from uh, the intro to this book that is so good. It's called *Epic: The Epic of Eden um, by an Old Testament scholar named Sandra Richter. And so I'm going to read just a, a page from her introduction, I think, really summarizes the story of Scripture. And then we're going to watch a Bible project video. Okay, so this is from the introduction to The Epic, to Eden, the Epic of Eden. The Bible, in all its parts, is intended to communicate to humanity the realities of redemption. Over the centuries, the Church has stumbled when it has forgotten this truth, and has thereby, ironically, damaged the authority of the book from which it has drawn its life. Often the error has run in the direction of making this book less than it is, less than the inspired word of God, less than the supernatural report of God's doings throughout the ages less than the, than the definitive rule for faith and practice among those who believe. But just as often, the error has run in the other direction, attempting to, be, to make the Bible more than it is. Too often in our zeal for the worldwide influence of this book, we forget that it was not intended as an exhaustive ancient world history, or a guide to the biology and paleontology of creation, or even a handbook of social reform. We forget that this book was cast upon the waters of history with one very specific, completely essential, and desperately necess- necessary objective. Listen up. To tell the epic tale of God's ongoing quest to ransom his creation, mm-hmm. and to thereby give each generation the opportunity to know his amazing grace. The Bible is the saga of Yahweh and Adam, the prodigal son and his ever gracious heavenly father, humanity in their rebellion, and God in his grace. This narrative begins with Eden and does not conclude until the new Jerusalem is firmly in place. It is all one story, and if you are a believer, it is all your story. Thank you, God, for Sandra Richter. And so, guys, we're going to—this story, it has the backbone of the story of Scripture. Are these, are, it, the story is carried along by these things called covenants. And so we're going to watch a story of a video from the Bible Project on covenants. And they're, they're going to explain in five minutes, but it would take me like ten years to explain. So, <laughs> let's go for it. Sound guy.
1: Yeah. Sound guy, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over But strangely, we don't talk about it that much, and that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so, this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So, what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and He makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in the covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah, saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant, is that God is promising to be faithful, even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asks David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the New Covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who was able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. That's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah. And what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. Hey, this is Tim. And this is John. We think one of the best ways to understand the Bible is to take its core themes and trace them all the way from the beginning. Okay, Tim. Thank you.
0: Pretty good, eh? Mm -hmm. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Okay. So that, that theme of covenants is going to kind of run throughout our, our series together, guys. So I just wanted to give this as kind of an overview. Um, so we're going to move on. We've got two more movements to discuss this morning. And this is kind of the highlight of this whole idea is, is movement number three is that Jesus is the hero. You see, Jesus is the hero of the redemption story authored by God. This is good news for us because we don't have to be the story. And another human being that will let you down will not have to be the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story of redemption. Mm-hmm. He is the fulfillment and embodiment of God's has said and Amet his loyal love and trustworthiness, his faithfulness and covenant loyalty. He is the offspring of Abraham who trusted his father to the point of death and so became a blessing to all the nations. He is the obedient Israelite who kept the law perfectly on our behalf. He is the royal son of David who inaugurated God's kingdom in his life, death, and resurrection, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning as king. And he succeeded everywhere we failed. He kept his word. He is loyal and faithful, even when we are faithless, over and over and over again. This is why the verse that the song that Susie started off this morning singing. It's called Yes and Amen. This is why the series that is called Yes and Amen is is based in in God's faithfulness in Jesus being the hero. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For every one of God's promises, so think about all those covenants of what what he's promising to do, is yes in Jesus. Every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. So we stand back in awe of what he's accomplished for us. He is the hero, and we just say, amen. Thank you, God. So Jesus is the hero of our story. He is the hero of the story of redemption authored by God. Final point, final movement. Movement number four, trust as the response. I want to be super mindful and sensitive to the fact that many, if not all of us, are sitting with questions that begin something like this. Well, if God is faithful and trustworthy, how or why could fill-in-the-blank thing happen? And I have my own iterations of this very question, so I want to be aware of that and sensitive to that. But may I suggest to you that there are other wills and stories being carried out in our fallen, broken world. That we have a real enemy who does not want our flourishing, who does not want us to succeed or to know God or have faith to move mountains. And that other wills and stories are being suggested to us on the daily. We, as followers of Jesus, we have hope, but we also live in the tension of the already and not yet of the kingdom of God. So in that space of waiting and and wondering and wanting, terrible, hard, sad, difficult things happen. However, however, God is bringing all of history towards its climax of a new heavens and a new earth. For all of these things will be undone. Amen? Amen? So then what do we do while we wait? I'm, I'm just going to read a quote. I'll try to read a quote. You guys want to help me read this? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't really think about this. That's all good. But I want us to just think about like, how do we respond in trust? How do we grow in our belief and faith? And this has been used before. Dallas Fuller from The Divine Conspiracy. He, he says this. We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it, we believe something when we act as if it were true.
1: Right.
0: So this is the idea I want us to think about. So we, we, we want to live like God is actually loyal to his covenant. We want to live like God is actually faithful in all his ways. And so obviously that's difficult for us. So how do we learn together? And that's, I think, the key there. I want us to think about this learning this together, walking this through together. We're not on our own in this journey. So again, I'm not going to be prescriptive. I'm just going to say some big headline things here. And that that will be it for this morning. And then we'll head into a time of communion. But this is our our goal and desire throughout the whole series. is us growing in belief to to the point where we're acting and living like God is who he says he is. And that his promises are actually true. So together, we can learn to trust that Yahweh is loyal and faithful and will keep his word. We can learn... And, and open our eyes to watch as the story of redemption continues its unfolding right before our very eyes. And we can trust and believe and live fully in the hero's accomplished work, fulfilling all the covenants on our behalf, that actually we can live like we, we really are forgiven. We can live like we're actually a part of the family of God. We can live like we actually do have a hope and a future. So we do this together, As we sit in a story that at times does feel stranger than fiction. Mm -hmm. Yet we believe that this story ends with God making all things new. Mm -hmm. And to that I trust and believe and hope that you can say with me, yes and amen. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. bless you guys.